following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. So we're, uh, we're in a series that we're calling The Pursuit uh, of Happiness. And we're going to wrap this thing up tonight. And you're going to celebrate communion next week and, 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 and Thanksgiving. And we're using a word that Jesus used in the Beatitudes in John chapter 5. And, uh, and uh, he, he said it's the word makarios. And it literally translates, and you've heard it said over and over again, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the word blessed there, makarios, can also be translated as fortunate or happy. And that's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. We've been hanging out there. So I'm 48 as of a week ago. Um, I know I look 28, but I'm 48, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm bald and, and, and whatnot, but I'm, 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 I'm hanging in there. But there are some things that I'm just now figuring out after all of this time. And some people got to learn the hard way. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Any DC Talk fans? Some people got to learn the hard way. Nobody. Only the old people know what I'm saying. Only the old people. Gen Xers and whatnot. I, I want to share a few things about happiness and maybe... One of the key factors um, in obtaining and living in it. Now, when I think about happiness, um, there's one thing that's not really a thing that every happy person has. And when I say a thing, I don't mean something that you can hold in your hands. It's intangible. But every happy person that I know has this thing. Here's what they have. And maybe you've never even thought about it in these terms before. But, but they have peace. Happy people have peace. Specifically, happy people are at peace with themselves. All right? And when you're with them, they could be rich or poor. They could be extroverts. They could be introverts. They may be having a lot or a little. They may be married or single or divorced or they may have kids or they may not have kids. But here's what you know when you're around these people is they're just comfortable in their own skin. They're just happy in their own lives. In fact, in fact, if you're like me, you kind of get worried for them that they're not worried about their own circumstances. Like, hey, are, are you going to be okay? Because, like, bad things are happening in your life. And they're like, it's all good, man. It's all good. And you're like, like, like maybe you're in denial right now. Like, you need to feel bad. I feel bad for you. And they're like, no, it's, it's, it's all good. They're just comfortable with who they are. And every happy person you know, and if you're a happy person, um, then this is true of you. Happy people are at peace with themselves. And a matter of fact, I'd argue that this is the defining characteristic of happy people. That, that they're not warring within themselves. They're, they're, they're not trying to be something that they're, they're not. And, 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 and they're, not, they're not trying to run a race that's not theirs at a pace that's not theirs. They, they understand their lane and they're content to run in their lane without worrying what everybody else's lane is. Right? And wouldn't it be fantastic to live that way, just running our own pace and our own race? So I, I want to talk about what makes that possible for those of us who are trying to function and to function at a high capacity in a, in, a, in a fast pace and highly stressful environment that is our modern culture. And I want to talk about rhythm. Like, 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 like what makes it possible to have peace? 
which makes it possible to be happy. Now, 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 when I say rhythm, I'm not talking about musically because I don't have that. Like, I'm fully comfortable as a white man to admit that the stereotype is true for me. Like, I, have, I can't jump and I have no rhythm. Come on, y'all. Back in the day, I used to sing a lot, and I, and I was recording a, a live record one time. I think there was three or 4,000 people there, and they had to start the song over seven times because of my rhythm is so poor, y'all. I'm not talking about that kind of rhythm. I'm talking about a rhythm of, in life, that there is a rhythm in life and an ebb and a flow, and happy people know this. They know that you can't just be pedal to the metal uh, all the way through life because you'll burn out. And there has to be times in life when you slow. And if you ignore the, the rhythms of life, you do so to your own detriment. And it can bring trouble, real trouble in your life. I, I'd argue that the happiest people on earth are people who understand and live in their own rhythms. Not the rhythms of other people, but their, but their own rhythms. Now, now here's the thing i got to tell you because in 2016, um, the, the back end of 2016... I got into some real trouble in my life because I didn't understand this. And it was during the season where my doctors and I have overseers that oversee me in my church. And they came along and shut me down for, they said, minimum six weeks. My doctor said, you got to shut it down, man, or you're going to die. I was so fried. I was so burnt out at a soul level, not just physically, but just at a soul level because I didn't understand this. And it was during that Sabbath, that six weeks of Sabbath, that this began I begin to understand this. It took me so long to understand what I'm going to share with you. And they said, listen, Dan, if you don't get this right, you could die, man. You could die. So, so having said all of that, th this is so important. Anything that undermines your peace in life will ultimately undermine your happiness. Please hear that. Anything that undermines your peace, and it could be good things that you're, you're part of in your life, but that are undermining your peace, it will ultimately undermine your happiness. So in light of all that, I want to talk to you about two words from the Bible. They're not very common in our day, but they were very popular, common themes in the Bible. The, the first one is found in, from the Apostle Paul. Here's what he writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, therefore... And by the way, anytime you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you should always stop and say, what's it there for? <laughs> you should do that every time. Like, wh why did he say that? that? What that means is you need to go backwards and look to see what he said, but I don't have time to do that tonight, so I'm going to keep rolling. Y'all with me so far? All right. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and immovable. And here's the word, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So the first word I want to focus on is the word abound. Now, when Paul was writing this, he's meaning this in the context of being uh, excelling or overflowing or, or to be full of or to have tremendous energy for the work that God has given you. Matter of fact, Eugene Peterson, who translated the paraphrase, the message paraphrase, he says it like this. He says, Throw yourself into the work that God's given you. That's a bound, right? Colossians 3 says, Paul says, whatever you do, whatever your job is, do it with all of your heart. Give it everything you've got as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. Abound. I'm flourishing. I'm working hard. I'm being productive. This is a work of God in your life. And the idea here is, of course, that God gives everybody work to do, whether you get paid for it or not, whether you work in an office or a business park or a hospital or you work from home or in the neighborhood. There's good work to do, work that, that, that fills us up, that makes us happy. Listen to me, that makes us happy at a soul level, right? 
Part of how God made us is to contribute, to create, to produce value, to make the world a better place. And you may be one of the fortunate people who gets to get to do that in your workplace. But I would argue that a lot of us have to work, but we get to come here at Christian Life Austin and volunteer on the team to make an internal difference in the lives of people. And most of us will find that our best fulfillment happens right here in the local church. That's a fact. That's a fact. Paul says, give it everything you've got. Don't just punch a clock. Give it everything you've got. And so what God made us want to do is to experience the kind of life that at the end of our life that we stand before God saying, hey, I I abounded in the work that you gave me to do. I wasn't perfect. I didn't get it all right. But I tried with all my heart as though I was working for you, God, as though I was working for you. And it doesn't matter what it is that your job is. I'm doing it as though I'm doing it for you. I think we all want that, but that's not all I want. I don't want to just be a working bee all my life, right? So, so here, because here's the other word that I want us to think about tonight as we think about rhythm and peace and, and happiness. And these are the words of Jesus as recorded by John. So G- Jesus says to his followers in John 15. But by the way, John 15 is one of those texts that if you just were to spend the next month reading it over and over and over again, it will change your whole life, by the way. So, so verse 4, J- Jesus says... Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot abound, uh, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And then in verse 5, just in case we missed what he's trying to say here, he says, apart from me, you can do, do you know that? Do you know what? You can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, you can't just accomplish eternal things. You won't accomplish you want, you want to bound in the way that I've, I've wired you up to all by yourself just by trying really hard, by striving. You must abide in me. You can't abound and not abide. Right? If you want to be happy, if you want to live the abundant life that John 10.10 10 says, you got to abound and you got to abide. And, and abide means to remain or to linger over I don't, you know we don't really have winters here in Texas but sometimes I like to visit winter like next week I'm going to visit winter in New Mexico and then I'm going to leave it and come back to Texas come on because that's where it's at y'all I, don't, I just want to visit winter and then I want to come back and so you come in maybe you ski or whatever you come in from the snow and it's cold and somebody hands you a hot mug of coffee or hot chocolate and it's like steaming and maybe you were you had a runny nose that's too much information never mind and and I used to be a youth pastor for a very long time so I can say inappropriate things sometimes so just help help a brother out and and the and the steam is coming up and it's like ah yes and you just want to linger in that moment that's abide just hanging out going slow so, so when Jesus says that we're to abide with him, the idea is that we're to live connected uh, to him in an unhurried, in a peaceful, lingering, listen to me, lingering kind of way. We're, we're slowing down. We're carving out moments and space in our days to, to be with him, that there's a rhythm to all of it. We work really hard. We go after it. We are bounding, but then we slow down. And then we work really hard, and then we slow down, and we observe Sabbath, Sabbath rest, and then we kick it back into high gear, and there's an ebb, and there's a flow, and there's a rhythm to our lives. And everybody's rhythm is different. I want you to remember that everybody's rhythm is different. You see, because I want to abide with God. Like, I, I, I'd, I'd like to be a man of deep prayer. I'd, I'd like to live 
a, a, a fully authentic life, to not just sort of skim over or, or sort of hydroplane over the ups and downs of life emotionally like so many people do. They just numb themselves to all of the ups and the downs of life. I, I'd like to experience it all and, and, and to experience life deeply. I don't want to go through my life as a, as a, as a, as a driven and obsessed person. I don't, I don't want to live in, a, in just the frenzied pace of a world that, feel, frankly, it has gone insane. There, there's no happiness in the obsession of life. And, and, and I want to be a really good dad. I, I want deep moments with my two daughters. One's 13 and one's 16. Pray for a brother. I carry a knife around all the time. And I, and I just do it. And I tell the boys, I'll cut you. For, for Jesus, you know. I'll pray a healing over you afterwards, but I, I'll cut you. Some dads in the house are like, that's right. I'm getting a knife tonight. I want to be a good dad. I, I want to savor every bit of the mystery and, and the wonder and the love of marriage. I want to have deep and intimate and life-giving and open friendships. I want to have my mind more formed by the scriptures than I do by Hollywood or television or Fox or CNN or wherever you get your garbage. I mean, news. I mean, You know, I'd like to do what the psalmist did to have the Lord as my shepherd where he, 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 he makes me. Listen, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And, and, and then he leads me beside the still or the quiet waters. And guess what he does there? He restores my soul. Right? I, I like that because, frankly, if I'm being honest, my soul gets really jacked up by the pace and the junk of life that attacks it. And anything that jacks up my peace jacks up my happiness. And I'm in pursuit of that, see? So, so I find myself with this tension. Uh, on the one hand, I want to abound in my life because that's the commission of God. I want to run my race. I want to fight the fight. I want to throw myself into the work that God has given me to do. I want to make it happen. I have ambitions. I want to succeed. I don't think there's anything wrong with ambition. Come on, somebody. Right. It gets a bad rap. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, but then you add to that race that I'm in, other pressures that are part of this season of my life. I have, uh, um, I think, a very beautiful wife who, who works full-time in the corporate world. She's a vice president of a pretty large company, which means that she is constantly interacting with younger guys in their prime, which means that I have to remain in this superb physical shape that I'm clearly, that I'm, uh, why y'all laughing at a brother? Come on. Y'all cut me real deep, Shrek. You cut me real deep. I have two younger daughters, and I want to give them the best that I have. I want to make memories with them. I don't want to be building a big old pile of regrets for someday because I was too busy or too distracted by life and by trying to abound to the exclusion of abiding not only with God but with my kids and with my wife. And those moments are going faster and faster for me. And I don't want to wake up one day and realize I missed the most important moments. So I want to abide. I want to walk deeply with God. I want to pray. I want to listen. I want to love. I want to learn how to be content. I'd like to be still and know that he is God even when everything around me is not still. I want to have real peace. I want to slow down. I want to rest. 
I want to abide and I want to abound. But in my life, and I'm sure it's yours as well, there's this enormous tension at trying to do both well. And I, and I think real peace and, and real and lasting happiness that is not fickle or dependent upon happenings is found in the rhythm between abounding and abiding. So I experience this, t- this tension. How do I do both? Because I think that the rhythm of life is found in abounding and abiding. And so I want to make a series of observations in the time that's left about managing this tension. And the first one I want to give you is this. When, when can you expect for this tension to go away? When you die, you're welcome. Thanks for coming out on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Matter of fact, Jesus wrestled with this throughout his whole life. He gets baptized. Do you remember this? He gets baptized, and then he's preparing to go to work as a, as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a, as a miracle worker. But first, guess what he does? He goes out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to be alone with God in prayer and fasting and solitude. Why? Why, right? Well, for he, he knows that any season that is going to require more from him than normal, he's going to necessarily have to spend more time with God than normal. That before I can abound to the level that I'm being called to abound in, i got to abide to the level I'm being called to abound in. So, so, the, so the first thing that I know in my own life is anytime I'm in a season where I'm being stretched, I, I, I frankly just want to sort of cheat the abide part of it because i got so much to do. And that's the temptation for every one of us. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Before I go out and do big things, I'm going to do big time uh, uh, abiding. And so then he begins his, his ministry, and, and, and people are pressing him for help and, and for miracles and for answers, and it's very draining. And so right at the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter 1, here's, here's what it says in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, and he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He's abiding. He's being stretched thin. And so he's taking a time out, a recess. And this was his pattern all throughout the scriptures. A couple verses later, Peter is looking for him. Peter's one of his disciples and comes and says, hey, man, where are you at? Like, we've been texting you. We've emailed you. We FaceTimed you like 74 times. You got no electronic leash. Man, people need you. And and Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Like, get thee behind me, Satan. He does later on. But he doesn't hear. Come on, somebody. He doesn't right here, right? He doesn't say, leave me alone. I'm I'm abiding right now. Here's what he says in verse 38. He says, all right, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Abide, abound. Abide, abound. I'm on mission. I got a work to do, but I got to get fuel for the journey. And so he throws himself into the work again. And his whole life is this rhythm between abiding and abounding deeply, being alone with God, making time for his friends and family, and abounding in the work God gives him to do. There's an ebb and a flow, and he lives in peace that results from this ebb and flow. I don't have all this right yet, but here's, here's another observation. Um, I, I'm learning that my schedule, which is such a big part of this, is far less about what I have to get done and far more about who I want to become. So, 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 like, so, like, I want to be a good dad. It's got to be on my schedule, right? No, 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 you, you just make it up as you go along. No, 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 I have to put it in my schedule. I want to have a fantastic marriage. I want to be a good husband. It's got to show up in my schedule. If I want to be something, it's got to be reflected in my schedule. I, I want to have a deep relationship, an abiding relationship with God has to show up in my schedule because it's not about what I have to do. It's about who I want to become. I'm, I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being, you see. 
So this is it. So, 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 so that leads to my next observation. I, I've got to become very good at reading the gauges of my own life and how I'm doing with abounding and abiding. I need a way, a reference point. I've got to be able to gauge and evaluate how I'm doing. And I mention this partly because people are just drifting in our culture into very destructive patterns in our society where they are incredibly out of rhythm. And I see so many people as a pastor that are so, so miserable. That we, we live in a world where, where being overly busy is not just normal. It's, 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 it's like looked, it's looked highly upon. Come on, have you ever had a conversation where you see somebody you haven't seen in a while? And you're like, brah, what's up, man? How you been doing? And, and the response is like, great, man. Awesome. Just super busy. And sort of what's implicit in that statement is, my life is awesome, my life is going well because I'm super busy. Yes or no? Yes or no? You've had this, right? So, so often then, life can feel like everything's in a rush, whether it's how fast I talk, and I talk fast, y'all, come on, or how fast I drive, or how, how hurried I am trying to get from one place to the next, to the next task, and I constantly feel like I'm running out of time. And there are nights when I actually try to hurry home to get to sleep. Babe, come on, we got to go. i got to go to sleep. And, 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 and anyone here ever rush home to sleep at night? How's that working for you? Not good, right? Come on. So, so, so here's the next observation. I have to fight hurry in my life. Like some of you don't have to fight that, but every day I want to go this fast. I'm, I'm ticked off by everybody's getting, they're in my way. They're slow. Like, yeah, I'm going to make you, I'm going to shut this road down. It's my road. Y'all, y'all going to have to get off now. I have to fight hurry in my life in the pursuit of happiness. They will not coexist. I promise you, they will not coexist. And hurry sort of builds up this. This tension or this anxiety in our bodies and this impatience in our hearts as we move from thing to thing. Remember, we're talking about the pursuit of happiness. Always in a hurry. And that hurry sort of leads to the next level, which for me is angry. The rush of life, the pace of life, the hurry of my life often leaves me feeling more frustrated and more impatient and more, come on, y'all, if I'm being honest, more easily angered. None of this, by the way, contributes to my happiness. And all of this is the opposite of abiding, which is patient and smooth and joyful. And you need to trust me on this because I failed at this to my own peril and I've gotten to some bad spots as a result. So, so I want to get intensely practical here and just give you a way, a gauge, if I can. That's why the whiteboard, I don't usually use a, a whiteboard either, Pastor Johnson. I don't usually do it either, but I just, I got to. Can I go to Dr. Phil for just like two seconds? Just, just like for Jesus, right? There's this guy named James Lord, uh, old school guy, wrote a book about energy and, 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 and sort of spirituality and how we sort of uh, gauge our own emotional and spiritual energy. And, and he says that you can, you, can, you can gauge it on two dynamics, and I just want to draw this out here for you. Maybe you can see it on the screen. And by the way, I have the worst handwriting, and I'm the worst drawer. Is that a word in history, right? But here we go. Let me just try this. Hopefully you can see it. Um, All right, so he talks about it as that energy is both high. I'm sorry, I did it in the wrong place. It's both positive and, and it's negative. And, and, and I promise you there's going to be a spiritual application here. Just hang with me just for a minute. He talks about it being, it being high energy 
and then it, it's, that it's low. So, so right here in quadrant one, everybody can see this? I hope you can. If maybe not, you can see it on the screen. In quadrant one, and, and I would just kind of write the word abide right here to, co- to kind of go with our words right here. In, 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 in quadrant one, it's positive and it's high. And so I'm, I'm joyful and I'm, I'm productive and I'm, and I'm, and I'm creative and I'm, and I'm motivated, right? Things are happening here, good. It's positive and it's high. Down here, it's low. And I, and I would put the word right here. Sorry, I would put the word abound here. I'm awesome tonight, y'all. Just hang on with it, brother. Uh, right here, I'd put the word abide. And, and the energy is, is, is positive, but it's low. And I would, put, I would put peace. And I would put home. And I would put rest. And I would put Sabbath. And, and, and I, would put, I would put stillness. And this is where I do my relationships. You with me? So it's low. And, and, but then over here, the energy is still high, but it's a negative energy in, in, in quadrant three. That's the worst three in history right there. That's the worst one ever. But here I'm anxious. Come on, y'all, this is going to help somebody. This is a way you can gauge where you're at in your life on, the, on this thing. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm, I'm angry sometimes in this, in this quadrant. I'm, I'm easily upset. I'm nervous here. Got nervous energy. I'm fearful here. This is quadrant three. The, the energy's high, but it's a negative energy. And down here on the last one, and four, the energy's low, but it's negative. And here, here, I'm sad, but I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I'm not motivated. Maybe I'm depressed. Okay, l- listen to me now. In my life in 2016... I was functioning here for a very, very long time. But I wasn't dipping down to here very often because I was having so much fun building a church and things were going really, really well. And what happens is because I didn't come down here, because I didn't go into, I was just in the flow and I didn't want to do the ebb, I ended up over here. And I stayed here for a very long time, months, in this kind of angst and nervous energy, and, and I was a little bit afraid, and I was a little bit insecure, and I was easily upset, and I got angry really easily. And before very long, I ended up over here, and I was depressed, and I wasn't motivated, and I wasn't sad. And listen to me, I couldn't function. Like, I would wake up in the morning instead of being like, come on, man, let's go do this. I was like, I don't know if I can get out of bed today. I don't know if I want to go to work. It got so bad that I was like, I don't know if I want to be a pastor anymore. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Now, l- let, me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When, when you're thinking about your work life, your abound life, which, which one of these quadrants do you want to be in, right? You want to be in number one, where you're joyful and productive and creative and motivated. Can I just say this? We don't work for money. Money's not really, you're like, yes, we do. We got to have that money. 
Yeah, you got to have that money. But what, but what we really want to do in our lives is we want to work for, for the opportunity of spending time here where we're productive and when we're in a flow and where we're creative. That's what we want. That's what fills us up. Money doesn't make us happy. Those of you who make a lot of money, you know it doesn't make you happy. Those of you who don't make a lot of money, you just want to see if it does. Come on, somebody. <laughs> could, I just, could I just try? That's me. That's me, y'all. But let me, let me say something to you. You can't just live over here abounding in the work that God gave you to do. Because if you spend this much time here and you don't go here, you end up over here in number three. And can I just tell you this? This is just sort of a freebie here. It's over here in number three. If you hang out in number three very long, this is where you do harm to those you love with your words and with your actions. Kid didn't do anything to deserve you, you going off on them. Wife didn't do anything to deserve you going off on them. As a matter of fact, the reason you went off on them has nothing to do with what they did. It's because you're living here and you're going to harm other people with your words and your actions because you're hanging out here. And if you hang out here too long, you end up here. And you know what you hear? You do harm to others with your words and actions. Down here, you do harm to yourself with self-destructive tendencies and habits. Down here. People do bad things to themselves down here. So, living on the right side of this line. This, everybody gets here, but living on the right side of this line does harm to you. And you can't spend all of your life in, 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 on the right side of this line. But there are people who spend much of their time in life, and they hate their jobs, and they may have a lot of money, and they may have a lot of success. In fact, experiences in quadrants three and four are kind of an early warning sign, I believe, from God, from the Holy Spirit, I, I, to say, hey, whoa, 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 slow, slow down. Slow down. Now, Here's what I know. Some of you are thinking right now, and I want to just kind of answer this. You want to give me some pushback. Well, look, bro, it's, it's my job. What am I supposed to do, quit? Maybe. Maybe the jobs, that job's not worth your family or your happiness or your sanity or your health. Maybe there's a job that's less insane that would still provide, but maybe not at the level that you think that you're supposed to be at, but, but maybe you're trying to live above God's level, provision level for your life in the pursuit of what you think is happiness. You're actually taking away from happiness. You're like, well, my kids have all these activities that they like, and, and what am I supposed to do, have them quit some of them? Maybe. Listen, come on, I'm a, I'm a parent of, a, of two teenagers. Is running our kids all over the place every single night of the week really what's best for them? Is that contributing to their joy and their happiness? Like, like, like they're terrible at soccer. Stop trying to make them good at it. Your boy's, your boy's over there chasing flowers and, and butterflies. You know. Come on, bud. I'm just saying it. I'm just throwing it out there. They're terrible. Not my boy. He's going to be all-star. No, he's not. He's awful. I've seen him. Anyways, on Facebook. <laughs> Y'all are like, can we, can we get the pastor back up there? <laughs> Guest guy's got to go. Qu question. When you say, I'm stressed out by all the things that I have to do, do you really have to do all the things that you have to do? Do, do you have to keep doing everything everybody asks you to do or are they robbing you of joy and authentic happiness? 
Is it really wisdom, y'all, to keep climbing up the corporate ladder where each new rung requires more from you, which gives you less to your family and less to the things that fill you up and less to the things that God has for you to do? Is that actually wise? Is more always more or are, listen to me, or are the additions that you think you're making to your life actually subtracting from your life and from the quality of your happiness that God wants you to walk in and live in? Blessed are those, happy are those who get this right. What if your version of what a successful look like, a successful life looks like is actually more? Listen now, this is going to be hard for you to handle. For me, it was very hard. This was the, the big realization that I had in my life during my sabbatical. What if the version of what a successful life looks like is actually more than the capacity that God has given you, and the net result of you trying to force it anyway is stress and fatigue and frustration and anxiety and tension in your home and a loss of relationship with your family and your kids and your heavenly father who has a perfect design for your life. And you're trying to keep up with somebody else's race and somebody else's pace, and God says, hey, I didn't ask you to do that. Listen, you cannot overwork your mind or your emotions or your body and not eventually pay the price for that excess. And that price can be anything from burnout like I experienced to relational tension to physical illnesses to mental illnesses. But there is a price to it. And at the very least, you won't live a happy or feeling like a blessed life. Listen, this is, this is my life that I'm telling you from. This is what happened to me. And the day that it smashed me in the face was when I'm on vacation with my kids. And my little 12-year-old, 11-year-old at the time says, Daddy, why don't you ever smile anymore? Daddy, I don't ever see you laugh anymore. And it crushed me. Because I was hanging out over here. So I thought, no, no, I can just go and go and go and go. I can pedal to the metal all the way through, and I don't have to relax. And I don't have to relax. That's for suckers. That's for losers. And then I ended up on the bottom going, do I even want to do this anymore? So a couple of years ago, on my sabbatical, I determined that the numbers, this is just my world. You have your own worlds that you, that you have to deal with. I'm just talking about my realm a couple of years ago on my sabbatical, I, just, I determined that the numbers and the church growth addiction that I had come to accept as normal would not define me anymore. That was my realm. I want to grow, and I want to get better, and I want to see lost people saved, and I will never stop working at that until I die. I will not be lazy. I will not stop learning. I want to abound. And let me just clarify this because this is what I felt like God helped me with. I would die for Jesus, but I will not die for my work. I will not kill my family for my job. I will not kill my marriage for what I do. I plan to enjoy my life, not be defined solely by what I do. There's no happiness there. And if this is you, if this resonates on any level with any of you, could I just give you some words from Jesus? We're done. We're done. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, and and you know this translation where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. I I love the, the message paraphrase of this very same text where Jesus says, Are you tired? 
Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. And then look at this. Is this on the, yeah. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Look at this. Walk or abide with me. And then work or abound with me. Watch how I do it. Look at this. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Paul says in Romans chapter 14 that this kind of life produces righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. If the burden that you're carrying feels too heavy to bear, I have come to understand that it's probably because it's not your burden to bear. Like, like, like if you're chronically tired and worn out or burned out and it's not a medical issue, God didn't put that on you. Probably you put that on you and now you need to, do, to have a come to Jesus meeting. Come to Jesus, all you who are weary and worn out and burned out and tired. Come to Jesus and lay it at his feet. Take his load for your life and learn his unforced rhythms of grace, which is abounding in the work God's given you to do and abiding with him because apart from him, you won't do anything anyways. And you will find rest for your soul. David says in Psalm 23 that it's in the place of green pastures, that, that it's in the place of, of, of coming there where he makes me to lie down there and coming beside the still waters. It, it's, in, it's in that abiding that he restores my soul. Some of you are close to where I was three years ago, broken at a soul level, and another vacation is not going to fix what you've got going on because you're broken at a soul level. So I'm going to need to rethink how I think and rethink my motivations and turn it all over to Jesus so I can find rest at a soul level. And here's what I want to say to you. I'm done. I want to just say this to you. Some of you are striving so hard to be something. Some of you are fighting a kind of shadow mission from words that were spoken over you as a child by your mother or your father or some adult or some teacher in your life. And you've been striving all this time to say, I'm worth something. If I keep going, I'll prove that I'm worth something. And Jesus would say to you, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Stop the striving. Stop living on the right side of the line. Come to me. My youngest daughter's 13. She looks like she's about eight. She's the tiniest little thing and the sweetest little thing. And sometimes I'll come home after I get home from work and she'll be waiting for me. And I'll just get down because she's little. And I'll be like, come here, baby girl. And this is the word I'll say to her, bring it in. Bring it in. And I'll hug her up. 
And I love her. I want, I want that little girl to know that her daddy loves her, that he is proud of her, that I'm so proud of her. Hey, baby girl. Hey, baby girl. Bring it in. Baby girl, bring it in. Bring it in. Jesus says that the kind of God that's in the room tonight is the kind of God who goes out looking for his lost sons and daughters, who goes to the end of the road. Is this the day that, that son's going to come home? And when, and when son comes running home, what does dad say? Bring it in, baby. Come on, bring it in. Son, bring it in. Bring it in. I want to put a robe on you. I want, to, I, want to, I want to kill the fat. I want to throw a party for you. Listen, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's happened in your life. Just bring it in. Can I pray over you real quick? Like, like I know it's Wednesday night and we're going to leave and do the thing, but maybe some of you, maybe it's six or seven of you in this room need to hear the word of the Lord tonight. You don't have to try any harder than you already are. You don't have to work for God's love or his affirmation. You don't have, forget whatever somebody said to you in the past. Your God, your Father says, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased. Bring it in. Bring it in. Father, we are just so incredibly grateful for the word of the Lord. Thank you for this space. Thank you for this moment. Some of us are here tonight simply to hear the words from your God, from your Father, that you're my son and you're my daughter and you are my beloved. And I want you to bring it in. Bring me your hurts. Bring me your pain. Bring me your tiredness. Bring me your worn out single mom. God says he sees you right where you are. He knows how hard you're working. He knows how hard you're trying. He says, hey, bring it in. I just want to love you. I just want to give you the affirmation and the love. I want you to know how much I prize you. You're prized by majesty. So God, I just pray for the person in this room who's super high capacity and who's trying so hard to make it all happen. Let them know that they can slow down, that it's okay to rest. For the person who's just trying to get by week after week, day after week, let them know it's okay to just take a load off and breathe it in and breathe it in to come to Jesus with our tiredness, our worn outness. God, help us, I pray. Give us the grace to walk in this, Lord, abound, abound, do the work that we're called to do, but also to abide. There's a rhythm to it. There's a rhythm to it. Bless, I pray. Give strength, I pray. Give encouragement, I pray. May we walk away from this place load lightened, we, not because things have changed on the, out there, but because we laid it down at your feet. We had to come to Jesus' meeting. I pray these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody say amen.